We have been charting for, what, 18 months now, the physical uh, impact and the consequences of COVID-19. And through it all, we've known that there has been a, an emotional and a mental health toll as well. But really wrapping our hands around just how acute that is, is uh, something that we haven't done as much of. Well, now greater clarity, greater focus uh, being offered to us through our friends at Michigan Medicine. And as we embark upon our uh, weekly WGR Michigan Medicine segment, we welcome in uh, Dr. Joanna spencer Segal, MD, uh, who uh, has been exploring this. Dr. Segal, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So as we looked at this, I mean, I think we all knew this was coming, that there was going to be a mental health component to this. As you have explored this, just how acute was it? How broad was the impact on families and COVID-19 patients? Yeah, so um, for for our study, we looked at uh, mental health outcomes in patients who had been hospitalized um, during the pandemic, so uh, patients with and without COVID-19 and the rationale for our work was that we know that um, people who are in the hospital critically ill with any respiratory infection are at high risk for mental health problems later on, anxiety, depression, and post-traumatic stress disorder. So already we expected to see high rates of um, those kinds of problems in COVID-19 survivors. Um, but then there was an extra problem that we were worried about, which was the isolation social isolation that comes with a pandemic, including visitor restriction policies in the hospital and also you know, patients really isolating at home after discharge and not interacting with, with loved ones. Um, so, so that was what we were trying to get at with our study. And what we found actually was that uh, you know, one to two months after discharge from the hospital, COVID-19 diagnosis, having COVID-19 was an independent predictor of worse mental health outcomes. So that means that, um, you know, regardless of how how sick they were or other demographic uh, characteristics like age and mm-hmm. sex and pre-existing conditions, patients who had COVID-19 had higher risk for anxiety, depression, and post-traumatic stress symptoms after discharge. So, you know, I, I don't think that comes as a shock to anybody. In fact, I think we anticipated it. When you looked at the depth of the problem, how severe uh, perhaps the depression and the anxiety was, what did you learn? So actually, one thing I want to point out is um, about the post-traumatic stress symptoms specifically. So one in four of the COVID-19 survivors we surveyed screened positive on a screening test for post-traumatic stress disorder. So mm-hmm. one in four, um, those are incredibly high rates of PTSD symptoms and, you know, it, high enough that really in a, you know, in a primary care office at a first hospital follow-up, we should be screening all these patients uh, for post-traumatic stress. How many were screened for it? And of those that maybe were screened or that is recognized, Healthcare professionals are trained to recognize these mental health issues. Um, did they get the treatment that they needed, either while they were hospitalized or upon their release? Yeah, so th- that's a great question about um, you know whether whether these patients were able to find mental health follow up. One of the things that was particularly striking in our study was we asked patients about whether they had um, recognized subjective mental health concerns in themselves after their hospitalization. 
and also whether they'd sought care for them. Um, so while this, while in our study we weren't in the position necessarily to refer patients for additional mental, mental health care and, you know, find out what happened, uh, we asked them whether they had done that on their own. And actually the majority of people who had significant symptoms didn't recognize them as a problem. Um, and then those that did recognize them weren't able to access the appropriate care. And that was for a variety right. of reasons. Yeah, we asked people and I about guess- you know, that's my question. If you have identified here what could be, I hate to use the word epidemic because that's, you know, fraught with so much potentially inflammatory uh, uh, consequences, but if you've identified here a mental health episode that's going untreated in our community, how do we go about addressing it, and are there really the level of resources in our availability to address it? Right, absolutely. I mean, recognition of the problem and identification of the patients who need help is the first step, Um, but making sure that those people can access the treatment that they need and that there are enough mental health uh, clinicians to help them is, you know, the next step, and it's, it's not a trivial one. So where do you go from here with, with, with the study? You look specifically at hospitalized patients and, and the trauma there. Um, I have heard increasingly over the past few weeks people talking about what we put our children through with their social isolation for the better part of a year or more. Now, some of that may have been um, you know, reconciled by getting back into the classroom and socializing again with their, with their friends and their peers. Um, do we need a, a, maybe a, another study focusing on what the, the consequences were for our children? Uh, yeah, great, great point. And I think, you know, the, the effects of social, social isolation on mood and on mental health, um, you know, as you point out, this is not, uh, you know, a brand new idea. And we know that social contact is, is really important for mental health. So, yes, I mean, you know, we are we are just starting to face the consequences of social isolation, not just among hospitalized uh, hospitalized COVID nineteen patients, but in you know in a broader sense in our society. And I will just say that from um, you know from our study, uh, there are there are certainly a couple of things that uh, we can take away and perhaps even generalize in terms of how to look out for these problems in anyone in the community and see if we can help. So um, one thing that we noticed was that patients who had significant symptoms recalled a level of distress about their isolation. So Mm -hmm. um, they recalled feeling um, afraid of potentially dying alone and afraid of never seeing their loved ones again. those feelings were strongly associated with symptoms. And so we should be looking out for those fears um, in anybody in our community. Well, what, what you've done, uh, Dr. Joanna Spencer-Segal is you've kind of added a new dimension to the idea of long haul COVID that there may be other mental health aspects to this that are going unaddressed. So we would urge those, if you've had somebody that was hospitalized or engaged in long-form social isolation, consult with your doctor and look for those signs of mental health distress so that they get treated. Thank you so much for your time, doctor. We deeply appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Appreciate the opportunity.